gotta get it wrong to get it right Searching for the truth, finding lies When all you gotta do is look inside Starseed's Angel Savant Syndrome with your host, The Mystical Man. How'd it do? My show is a little bit like AMSR, I think it's called, right? ASMR? 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 I don't know what that means, but I know it has to do with sound. I'm kidding. I love, I love that stuff. That stuff is awesome. And, um, I, I don't know what the words are. I literally don't, but I love it. You know who I like, and this is not a paid ad or nothing? Uh, Gibby. She's cool. She's really cool. I, I kind of have a crush on her. But, um, yeah. In any case, my show is a little bit like ASMR. Only, it's a little bit explicit. Yeah. I believe in freedom of speech. And I believe that words are important. Especially for expressing yourself. Communication is important. Especially if you wish to be understood. Listen to the birds outside. Calling and crowing. You know, a lot of people like to think that ravens and crows are negative signs. I, I disagree completely. And I think that the wisest of the spiritual... Now I'm all like putting tears and shit. But I mean, yeah, there are tears. Let's face it. But I do believe that the wisest would agree with me. They are actually very positive omens. And spiritually speaking, very representative of things like justice. Fairness, protection of the meek, punishment of the very evil. I believe so. I very much believe so. In fact, I think that probably what it was, was that blind association came from the that the Black Plague, I think it was called. The doctors first discovered viruses. They didn't know what it was and they didn't even understand what a virus was really. But they had a plague going on and people were dying everywhere. And they didn't know what caused it. And they started wearing masks because the idea popped up of the germ theory, which, by the way, has not qualified for science. It has not qualified Koch's postulate, which is a scientific method of deriving the uh, undeniable fact from the data that your theory is correct about a, a disease being contagious based on you know, bacterium or phages, microphages. And yet, it hasn't qualified Koch's postulate. Now, some, some science paper came out, of course, after... We challenged the matter this year. I don't know how long it's been since we first had germ theory, actually. I think it was in the 1800s. So almost 200 years, I guess, right? Maybe long since we've had the theory. And yet, the science has not added up until this year. Until this very year. You know, when we came and questioned it and said, Hey, wait a second. Look, this is sketch. What the hell is going on here? This doesn't make sense. There's no science proving it. There's no science paper proving it. It's all theory. What? And then they're like, oh, 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 and then they scramble it, and oh, yeah, all of a sudden, yeah, now there's evidence, okay. Yeah, a little bit sketch, just a tad, you know. I mean, if that was like 
anything else then it was just like you and me then you know obviously like that's that's obvious guilt like right there nobody would question it everybody would be like oh yeah guilty but because it has to do with big money for some reason people think that it's automatically innocent and not smart so let's try to get through this this whole weird year thank you for joining in the debacle of it i hope you like my show my show has been all over the place um, when it comes to age ranges of who listens and used to be mostly that the french listened because they have their programs that uh, help them learn english so (laughs) think about that that they're learning english from the mystic man who is explicit (laughs) yay and um yeah but now america has finally been catching up my listeners finally been catching up in America, you know. I, I remember when America was 3%. You know, I, I appreciate everybody for listening. And please share. I don't share bunk info. And I don't say anything that I haven't checked. Of course, now, that's not to say that everything is automatically true. Even after you check the back check of the fact check and fact check. But I believe that it's very important that we do do our back checking to everything I like to say that everything true leads to source everything lies doesn't even try you know what I mean like a thing about a lie is things like the media when they say oh the experts say but then they don't give a name or they don't even say what institute said it like that is such that is a straight up Red flag. Go back into the past. Go back and look and listen to every time that the media said, the experts say, which was most of the time, and then not give a citation. Like You can definitely tell that each of those times they were lying. And I share enough of the info to prove that on this show. Uh, it's not hiding. Nobody's hiding any of the data. The data is all there for everybody to look at, which is why so many scientists and doctors have stepped forward this year saying, hey, wait a second, this is bullshit. Do you know why so many have stepped forward? Because so many already know that it's bullshit. It's like like if somebody tries to say a lie, but you know the truth already, you're going to be like, what the fuck? No. Oh, and you're telling everybody this lie? No, fuck that. Right? Why the hell do you think that doctors would risk their licenses and put their licenses online because of dignity integrity people care about this because it is the truth now that's not to say that people don't believe the lies virus theory but what you need to understand is that viruses, viruses aren't alive bro they never were thought to be in fact it only became a thing about question this year well what is life really you know because these, the thing is, is that viruses are merely protein structures of DNA and RNA. That's it. Not even that much DNA or RNA. Just a little strand. And by the way, if you don't know what RNA is, take an image of a DNA. Right? Of a DNA strip. Now, you know how there's two of the strands? It'll take off one of the strands. Now you have two RNA strips. That's what it is. Chop it into a little segment. That That's a mRNA. Messenger RNA. It's a message that gets sent out from the cell, from the cell nucleus, to do and provide a function, which is a chemical uh, reaction somewhere in the body. All of the chemicals in the body and chemical reactions happen this way, from our DNA spinning itself and being like, oh, okay, this chemical structure is going to do this and then doing that. That's how it works. And that's what actually also what a virus is. A virus is... DNA or RNA. That's it. It's it's a it's a bunch of code. Is of us because it has to have at least I believe sixty percent of our own genetic makeup in order to even sneak into the body. In, in order to get in to the cell membrane, it has to be something passes right. You know, because the body's not stupid. The body's way smarter than us. If anything, I've got a little treat for you. I figured I'd do a reading as in read for you as in not like the psychic kind but like read a book you know 
I um I like doing that and um there's been a couple times that I've done it and those episodes have done pretty good. And yeah. So I figured I would give you a little bit of um some edumacation. No, I'm kidding. I cannot give edumacation. I can only offer it and it can be stolen. Apparently, because nowadays you got to pay like 50 million trillion if you want to get a quote education end quote. <laughs> right? It makes no sense. It's really dumb. It's really dumb. You know there are like services that you uh, can pay money and they will do your homework for you. That kind of like totally defeats the purpose and there's always been that in school right you know hey it's very it's ridiculous and it's horrible and it makes way for some really really bad people running things that they should not you know i've heard recently from my french correspondent in Canada, that the CIA is being taken down. Of course, you know, we don't really hear too much about that in the States. I don't know. I mean, Fox News might be covering it. Maybe. You know, it's just really weird how the news has been like. One question that I would ask, because it's just really weird. Uh, if you follow Anomaly, who is an awesome dude, I love his, I love his work. I do. You know, it's really weird because he, like, he tries to stress that Fox News lies a lot about Trump, right? Now, I don't know if my news is, like, targeted or something or what, but I've never heard them ever say anything bad about Trump, really. And then, and then Trump, too, he, he says, like, he's got a thing against Fox News, too, which is really weird. Because Fox News always, I mean, as, as as I've seen, it seems that they've always covered his back. Now, maybe they're watching a specific part of Fox News or something. I don't know. But it's always seemed like Fox News has covered his back. And CNN was the one that's always been against Trump and, uh, and uh, many others, of course. You know, MSNBC, ABC News, too. Um, a lot of them. A lot of them, yeah. But I don't know why. Why? Why would Anomaly and President Trump be against Fox News if Fox News like covers like totally has his back and like I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I've seen only certain parts of Fox News and everybody else is seeing the other parts and like just by chance I haven't been able to see any of the lies or them even mention anything about Trump badly um at all and that in a way that is biased I suppose you know uh reporting should be fair should be fair like literally like that's how you have a good sense of judgment and are able to make judgment calls you cannot uh, you cannot have a broken scale and think that it's a good tool to measure value. You know? It doesn't work like that. But in any case, I skipped ahead in the book. And I'm not going to tell you what it is until the end. I will read a couple pages. So this might be a little bit long. But I'll, I'll just read two or three pages. Uh, I read ahead in the book. I've read this as a kid. I've had this book forever. Um, and I, by choice too, I didn't read this in school because they made me or nothing like that. I didn't even have to read this in school. This wasn't a part of any project, but a lot of people do read this in school, which is cool. I think. I think it's a very important thing. Um, it's a very historical book. 
Yeah. A violent emotion. Not fear exactly, but a sort of undifferentiated excitement flared up in him, then faded again. He stopped thinking about the war. In these days, he could never fix his mind on any one subject for more than a few moments at a time. He picked up his glass and drained it at a gulp. As always, it made him shudder and even retch slightly. This stuff was horrible. The cloves and saturine, themselves disgusting enough in their sickly way, could not disguise the flat, oily smell. And what was worst of all was that the smell of gin, which dwelt with him night and day, was inextricably mixed up in his mind with the smell of those... Uh, he never said... He never named them. In, even in his thoughts. And so far as it was possible, he never visualized them. They were something that he was half aware of. Hovering close to his face, a smell that clung to his nostrils. As the gin rose in him, he belched through purple lips. He had grown fatter since they released him, and had regained his old color. Indeed, more than regained it. His features had thickened. The skin on nose and cheekbones were coarsely red. Even the bald scalp was too deep a pink. The waiter, again unridden, brought the chessboard and the current issue of the Times with the page turned down at the chess problem. Then, seeing what Winston's glass was empty, he brought the gin bottle and filled it. There was no need to give orders. They knew his habits. The chessboard was always waiting for him. His corner table was always reserved. Even when the place was full, he had it to himself since nobody cared to be seen sitting too close to him. He never even bothered to count his drinks. At irregular intervals, they presented him with a dirty slip of paper, which they said was the bill, but he had the impression that they always undercharged him. It would have made no difference if it had been the other way about. He had always plenty of money nowadays. He even had a job. A sinecure more highly paid than his old job had been. The music from the telescreen stopped and a voice took over. Winston raised his head to listen. No bulletin from the front, however. It was merely a brief announcement from the Ministry of Plenty. In the preceding quarter, it appeared the tenth. Three-year plans quota for bootlaces had been over-fulfilled by 98%. He examined the just problem and said about the pieces it was a tri tricky ending involving a couple of knights. Quote, uh, loudly, white to play and mate two moves. Winston looked up at the portrait of Big Brother. White always mates, he thought, with a sort of cloudy mysticism. Always, without exception, it is so arranged. In no chess problem since the beginning of the world had black ever won. Did it not symbolize the eternal, unvarying triumph of good over evil? The huge face gazed back at him, full of calm power. White always meets. The voice from the telescreen paused and added in a different and much graver tone. You are warned to stand by for an important announcement at 1530. 1530, this is the news of the highest importance. Take care not to miss it. 1530. The tinkling music struck up again. Winston's heart stirred. That was the bulletin from the front. Instinct told him that it was bad news that was coming all day with little spurts of excitement. The thought of a smashing defeat in Africa had been in and out of his mind. 
He seemed actually to see the Eurasian army swarming across the never-broken frontier and pouring down into the tip of Africa like a column of ants. Why had it not been possible to outflank them in some way? The outline of the West African coast stood vividly in his mind. He picked up the white knight and moved it across the board. There was the proper spot. Even while he saw the black horde racing southward, he saw another force, mysteriously assembled, suddenly planted in the rear, cutting their communications by land and sea. He felt that by willing it, he was bringing that other force into existence, but it was necessary to act quickly. If they could get control of the whole of Africa, if they had airfields and submarine bases at the Cape, it would cut Oceania in two. It might mean anything. Defeat. Breakdown. The redivision of the world. The destruction of the party. He drew a deep breath. An extraordinary medley of feelings, but it was not a medley exactly. Rather, it was successive layers of feeling in which one could not say which layer was undermost struggled inside him. The spasm passed. He put the white knight back in its place, but for the moment he could not settle down to serious study of the chess problem. His thoughts wandered again. Almost unconsciously, he traced with his finger in the dust on the table. Two plus two equals five. Quote, they can't get inside you, she had said. But they could get inside you. What happens to you here is forever, O'Brien had said. That was a true word. There were things, your own acts, from which you could not recover. Something was killed in your breast, burnt out, cauterized out. He had seen her. He had even spoken to her. There was no danger in it. He knew it was as though instinctively they, that they now took almost no interest in his doings. He could have arranged to meet her a second time if either one of them had wanted to. Actually, it was by chance that they had met. It was in a park on a vow fighting day in March, while the earth was like iron and all the grass seemed dead and there was not a bud anywhere except a few crocuses which had pushed themselves up to be dismembered by the wind. He was hurrying along with frozen hands and watering eyes when he saw her, not ten meters away from him. It struck him at once that she had changed in some ill-defined way. They almost passed one another without a sign. Then he turned and followed her, not very eagerly. He knew that there was no danger, nobody would take any interest in them. She did not speak. She walked obliquely away across the grass as though trying to get rid of him, then seemed to resign herself to having him at her side. Presently they were in among a clump of ragged, leafless shrubs, useless either for concealment or as protection from the wind. They halted. It was vilely cold. The wind whistled through the twigs and fretted the occasional dirty-looking crocuses. He put his arm around her waist. There was no telescreen, but there must be hidden microphones. Besides, they could be seen. It did not matter. Nothing mattered. They could have lain down on the ground and done that if they wanted to. His flesh froze with horror at thought of it. She made no response, whatever, to the clasp of his arm. She did not even try to disengage herself. He knew now what had changed in her. Her face was sallower and there was a long scar, partly hidden by her hair across her forehead and temple. But that was not the change. 
It was that her waist had grown thicker and, in a surprising way, had stiffened. He remembered how once, after the explosion of a rocket bomb, he had helped to drag a corpse out of some ruins and had been astonished not only by the incredible weight of the thing, but by its rigidity and awkwardness to handle, which made it seem more like stone than flesh. Her body felt like that. It occurred to him that the texture of her skin would be quite different from what it had once been. He did not attempt to kiss her, nor did they speak. As they walked back across the gate, she looked directly at him for the first time. It was only a momentary glance, full of content and dislike. He wondered whether it was a dislike that came purely out of the past or whether it was inspired also by his bloated face and the water that the wind kept squeezing from his eyes. They sat down on two iron chairs side by side but not too close together. He saw that she was about to speak. She moved her clumsy shoe a few centimeters and deliberately crushed a twig. Her feet seemed to have grown broader, he noticed. I betrayed you, she said boldly. I betrayed you, he said. She gave him another quick look of dislike. Sometimes, she said, they threaten you with something, something you can't stand up to, can't even think about. And then you say, don't do it to me. Do it to somebody else. Do it to so-and-so. And perhaps you might pretend afterwards that it was only a trick and that you just said it to make them stop and didn't really mean it. But that isn't true. At the time when it happens, you do mean it. You think there's no other way of saving yourself and you're quite ready to save yourself that way. You want it to happen to the other person. You don't give a damn what they suffer. All you care about is yourself. All you care about is yourself, he echoed. And after that, you don't feel the same towards the other person any longer. No, he said, you don't feel the same. There did not seem to be anything more to say. The wind plastered their thin overalls against their bodies almost at once. It became embarrassing to sit there in silence. Besides, it was too cold to keep still. She said something about catching her tube and stood up to go. We must meet again, he said. Yes, she said. We must meet again. He followed irresolutely for a little distance, half a pace behind her. They did not speak again. She did not actually try to shake him off, but walked at just a, such a speed as to prevent his keeping abreast of her. He had made up his mind that he would accompany her as far as the tube station, but suddenly this process of trailing along in the cold seemed pointless and unbearable. He was overwhelmed by a desire not so much to get away from Julia as to get back to the chestnut tree cafe which had never seemed so attractive as at this moment. He had a nostalgic vision of his corner table with the newspaper and the chessboard and the ever-flowing gin. Above all, it would be warm in there. The next moment, not altogether by accident, he allowed himself to become separated from her by a small knot of people. He made a half-hearted attempt to catch up, then slowed down, turned and made off in the opposite direction. When he had gone fifty meters, he looked back. The street was not crowded, but already he could not distinguish her. Any one of those dozen hurrying figures might have been hers. Perhaps her thickened, stiffened body was no longer recognized from behind. At the time when it happens, she had said, You do mean it. He had meant it. He had not merely said it, he had wished it. He had wished that she, and not he, should be delivered over to the... 
Something changed in the music that trickled from the telescreen. A cracked and jeering note, a yellow note, came into it, and then perhaps it was not happening. Perhaps it was only a memory taking on the semblance of sound. A voice was singing under the spreading chestnut tree. I sold you, and you sold me. The tears welled up in his eyes. A passing waiter noticed that his glass was empty and came back with a gin bottle. He took up his glass and sniffed at it. The stuff grew not less but more horrible with every mouthful he drank. But it had become the element he swam in. It was his life, his death, and his resurrection. It was gin that sank him into stupor every night, and gin that revived him every morning. When he woke, seldom before eleven hundred, with gummed up eyelids and fiery mouth and a back that seemed to be broken, it would have been impossible even to rise from the horizon, excuse me, from the horizontal, if it had not been for the bottle and teacup placed beside the bed overnight. For the midday hours, he sat with glazed face, the bottle handy, listening to the telescreen. From fifteen to closing time, he was a fixture in the chestnut tree. No one cared what he did any longer. No whistle woke him. No telescreen admonished him. Occasionally, perhaps twice a week, he went to a dusty, forgotten-looking office in the Ministry of Truth and did a little work, or what was called work. Okay, I think I'll end it there. Wow, yeah, that was emotional. So that is from... Excuse my neighbors. They like to yell. That was from a book called 1984 by George Orwell. I believe it was written in the 30s, I think. I could be wrong there, but I'm pretty sure. Actually, let's find out. Let's see if I can see if there's a date. Nineteen forty-nine. Okay. Yeah, forty-nine. It was a book about communism, basically, and the future. So the nineteen eighty-four was uh, the future from then and he saw a world full of uh, telescreens TVs with um, cameras on them so they could watch everybody amazing prediction he was not wrong he foresaw manipulation he foresaw demoralization he foresaw the dumbing down of the people. In the book, George Orwell calls it double think. As in double, D-O-U-B-L-E, double. And you might have heard it um, referred to as double speak. But double speak is not written in the book. Actually, that was a term derived afterwards to talk about some of the elements in the book. And that uh, that would be words and sentences and basically things put together to make a thing lose its meaning. This way, the meaning behind it is lost. For instance, let me uh, give you an example. Conspiracy theory. Do you know what conspiracy is? A lot of people think they do, but they don't. They have no idea because they think that conspiracy means something woo-woo and far-fetched. That's not at all what the word conspiracy means. A conspiracy is when two people get together to plan a crime. Two or more people get together to plan a crime. It happens a lot. In fact, most crimes are planned beforehand. Well, maybe not most. I wouldn't know that. Actually, I'm no 
police officer. I couldn't tell you that. Uh, but, you know, we could look it up. Hey, I have my computer right here. And why not? We should be interested to find out if most crimes are planned. Hey, Google. Are most crimes planned or not? Let's see what Google says. Well, it says Let's see. Well, it doesn't say whether, you know, there are not. It does say that, <laughs> it does say that they're not planned well. <laughs> it says most crimes are not carefully planned. Hmm. Well, that's, that, that would make sense. But I would say also that that's a little bit, um, I mean, the data that they'd have to work with is the data obviously where the crime was caught and found out so you know it's um faulty data really it's biased but yeah um they're not carefully planned out <laughs> well i would assume and presume that you know um most crimes would be planned so that makes most crimes conspiracies mind you uh, well, you know, it would make most crimes having been conspiracies because it would no longer be a conspiracy after the crime was committed. And that's a funny thing, too, because it's de facto, right? You know, like a, a thing is not a conspiracy if it's no longer being planned, really. It can be a conspiracy theory, as in there was a theory that it had happened, that the conspiracy had happened but uh, uh to conspire is a verb you know isn't it <laughs> you know we should check that too and get into the habit of that really because you should recheck everything everybody should it's not hard at all we have technology at the fingers at our, at, you know, right at our hands' grasp, and we have no excuse not to, really. You know, I mean, I, I don't understand how people watch TV. I cannot watch TV at all. It feels like such a waste of my life. I've already spent my whole childhood watching TV. I do not need any more. All right, well, let's see what the... What conspires... Conspire is a verb, yeah. Of course, duh. Right? Yeah, there you go. And conspiracy is a noun. But cons conspire, to conspire is a verb. And yeah, so that's the thing, is that... Yeah. Oh, yeah, right here, check out this one. So it says... For uh, conspiracy, says, an evil, unlawful, treacherous, or serendipitous plan formulated in secret by two or more persons. That's a conspiracy. Or, three, a combination of persons for a secret, unlawful, or evil purpose. And then in law, an agreement by two or more persons to commit a crime, fraud, or other wrongful act. Or, in concurrent, any concurrence in action, combination, in bringing about a, a given result. Well, I've never heard that one before. Any concurrence in action, combination, in bringing about a given result. That's, that's true, actually. That makes sense, yeah. That, yeah, so it could, it could be something that's not illegal. Yeah. Huh. Anyways, that's the definition of conspiracy. And people don't even know 
what the fuck they're saying. It's ridiculous. It's insulting to themselves, but definitely to others who are trying to blow the whistle on crimes, you know. I think that the people who gaslight and troll um, the anti-vaccine, I think they're horrendous. I think that that's such a disgusting sin. That is such despicable behavior to troll people who are... It's like, okay, okay, imagine like... uh, Imagine somebody was raped, right? And this happens in a lot of countries, and I hate the fucking fact... I hate those people that, that do this, but... But then they they act like she's lying. They act like the woman who's been raped is lying. It's not despicable. It's like, okay, she was just a victim. And then you're going to go and make her go through worse. Now you're going to troll her? Like, What kind of twisted evil shit is that? That's some fucked up shit, isn't it? I remember as a, as a teenager, that concept was fresh to me, and I fucking, I think I saw it in a movie or something, and I was infuriated. I, I really was in the rage. I wanted them to die. Like, not the, not the woman, or not, but the rapist and the people that were gaslighting her, you know? I think that's actually a natural thing for, for uh, teenage boys, actually, who discover the concept because I've heard it from other guys as well. You know, it's such a fucking disgusting thing. It, the action, it's just like, it's wicked. And, yeah. I don't know, I, I just think, um, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm for forgiveness, and I'm not for the death penalty, but I think sometimes there should be the death penalty, you know? There's some things where somebody's just got to fucking die. Like, that's really what it is. Like, you know, and it's, um, that person that's got to fucking die is the guilty motherfucker that does not deserve to live. It's just how it is. You don't do fucked up, twisted shit. Okay, you know, actually, there was a really weird article that I read once, but, um, or something what was it I recall a story of a woman yeah I remember she so she was raped by somebody and I don't know if this is a fiction or fact truthful story I think it was a truthful story I mean a real story a truthful story (laughs) excuse me um yeah, I don't think it was a movie or nothing like that, but um, if if this sounds familiar and it, it is, uh, please let me know. But basically the story was that she, um, I think it was on Medium, actually, yeah. I think this is a, 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 a actual case, like, and um, she was raped by somebody, and he was like a serial rapist, right? Like... Like, literally, like, there were cops were looking for him because he kept on raping them and, like, running and just on the run, raping. Wow, weird. But it was odd. I think uh, what it was was she wrote to him or something because she was so angry and infuriated at the thing. And it was weird. She ended up empathizing with him. And feeling so sorry for him. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Yeah, I remember now. Because what it was, was she remembered how cold and just like he wasn't, like the the rape in itself was was something of a pain. And she she learned after that he had been raped by his father. And it is sad. Maybe I don't know. I don't know about the death penalty in that case. How do you how do you cure somebody of that though? Like you know, see to me it's sad because and I guess this does apply to everything. Is because the inner child 
is the true person, the true identity. That's your your inner child, and the inner child is always innocent. And it's so sad that we get caught in life in our twisted sufferings, projecting them on others. Some of us not as bad as others, but but it's always horrid. It's always horrible. And in a weird essential way, I guess, it's nobody's fault. Forgive them for they know not what they do. But also it is our responsibility as civilians and as society to teach and educate and make right what is wrong the best we can. I think that, uh, if anything, we should at least try. Because if we don't try, then we don't deserve a society that we can depend on. We don't deserve a the comfort of, like, for instance, our law enforcement. A lot of people, they took so for granted the police. It's disgusting. It's horrid. I, I mean, you know, I, I, you have whatever, you know, scenario you want. I, I've, I've been against police brutality for at least 10 years. I've, if you go back on my Facebook, I only used to post about that. That's all I did. You know, and I, I was dead on against police brutality since fucking would forever while everybody else was like you know i don't want to post about it because i'm just you know being a weenie yada yada but i know that it's a real thing and i've seen it face to face you know and i I've, I've, i haven't had it happen to me you know i've had racist police um you know do you know like you know i i, I guess you know be racist to me but i haven't had police brutality on me but I seen it to a kid too. When I was a when I was a kid, my friend he talked back to a police officer, called him a name or something, and um, and the officer he took my friend and and he grabbed my friend and brought him into the abandoned house that uh, we were hanging out at, and he beat him up. And yeah, you know, teenager, the runaway. Anyways, um, now that's not right. It's not, and nothing makes it right. Not even the attack that happened against the police force. We need our police. If anything, the most sincere, mature, and powerful thing that we could do is strengthen the bond between us, the civilians, and our law enforcement. That is the most responsible thing we could do. It should have been clear to everybody. Like I, That's why I said that a week, what was it, a week or two before the Floyd murder, I said that the most powerful thing that we could do strengthen the bond between us and our law enforcement why did i say that because i saw it coming as clear as day and how could i see it coming without acknowledging that we were under attack or and see the thing is is that you know we have these concepts of what war is. If you recall from 1984, the man suffered indefinitely. What it was, was he had been brought in to be tortured. Him and his lover. They were rebels. And they rebelled in the most simplest ways that were not allowed 
and that cannot be allowed to become our society. See, the thing about evil is it's insincere, it's hypocritical, and it's stupid. Evil relies on stupidity and ignorance, and it's self-destructive. That's the thing about it. That's why I'm glad that the CIA is being uh, taken down. If you look at the thing, I mean, the thing is evil. The secrecy, like, okay, if you're going to have a, a organization that's based off of secrecy and disinformation that's lying, cheating, manipulating, murdering, they, of course, dealt in making money off of all the twistedest, most evilest, crookedest, wickedest, satanic shit there is. By default, it's the structure of the organization. Like, what do you expect? And, like, of course it's going to have a lot of people that are satanic and of that mind frame who want to join that and become that. So that way they can have the excuse of self-righteousness to do those twisted things and never really meet their true self from within. So, like, it's, of course, like, and then it's just crazy that people would think that it like to suggest such a thing would be a conspiracy theory when it's literally written into the nature of that systemic fucking crap that agency it's literally like it's the cap that fits <laughs> duh like what the hell what do you expect you know but you know um some things are too uncomfortable to think about, especially when the implications imply uncomfortable circumstances of our situations. Putting people in a fear because they're already cowards about um, their lives and they have investments in things that they don't control anyways, but would like to think that they do control them. I think it's better to take control of the things that you invest in, as in your life and your belongings and your loved ones. Not control as in, like, forcefully, but, I mean, with integrity, build from the pillars of your hard work and your loyalty and dedication. Build of them pillars that withhold the foundation of basically your life. And nothing wicked is built on a foundation of integrity. You don't build a foundation of integrity for your household and then put wickedness on top of it. That would not go. It would not match the drapes. No. So, without further ado, I will leave this at that, but I will add this to the package. Benjamin Franklin was later writing a letter to his daughter after they had uh, chosen the bald eagle as the symbol of America. And Benjamin Franklin said that he was upset about that. He said he much rather would have had the turkey, who was noble, because the eagle is a thief and a scoundrel. The eagle steals from the work of others. And this is true. The eagle is also a very predatory, predatory bird. And um, I think that's why it's liked as a symbol by a lot of countries. A lot of other countries use the eagle too. 
cousin to the vulture. But I like the turkey. Turkey is cool. You know, turkey's cousin to the peacock. And that makes sense too. It looks almost like a peacock. And turkeys are nice. And they're sweethearts. And they're not crazy predatory birds, you know, I mean, but they've got really big wings. And they're very proud. And once in history, a turkey chased off a battalion of British soldiers at a dock. That's right. The turkey chased him off. That's why I think that the turkey is more patriotic. Now the eagle, on the other hand, the eagle... There's one very noble thing about the eagle, though. The bald eagle. Very noble. I think. To me, it matches the factors of Scorpio. A bit. Because Scorpio is the uh, death and rebirth. Scorpio is the phoenix. If you didn't know, actually the symbol for Scorpio used to be the phoenix. Every 40 years, four zero years, the eagle opened its big old nest. Plucks out its feathers. Wait, I think it goes in this order, actually. It goes... It, it, um... It pulls out its talons. Plucks out its feathers. And it breaks its beak against a rock. Because they've all grown so much that he couldn't use them anymore. And his beak has curled so far back that he couldn't eat. Or she. So in order to survive, they had to have a rebirth. And there are cases where it chooses not to and it just dies. But if it goes through this process, it lives another 40 years. Maybe I have to go through that process myself. I have a couple times in my life, actually. I've, But, see, the thing is, is that you have to say goodbye. And it can be painful. In any case. Sometimes we have to change if we want to change the world. Uomao keeo hokaina ikapono o humanity. Oh, when we return 